We interrupt your special announcement to bring you this regularly scheduled programming. My sword won't hurt anyone friendly. In fact, it makes them talk. Just check this out. Hey, it's Coolio if you don't know, and welcome back to another episode of Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. How's everybody doing? It is Friday. It is the weekend. It is time to relax. Can you believe it? We have survived another week. We have survived another hurricane, although there really wasn't much of it to survive this week. But, uh, this week, this year, well, anyway, this, this hurricane was nowhere near what we were expecting, so that's good at least. So let's just sit back and relax with in your home for video games, chiptunes, and all things weird and geeky, Square Wave Symphony. And let's do as we usually do and check out what is new over at lowbiasgaming.net. And it is pretty much the Jason story featuring Jason. Um, we have a new Let's Play of Super Turrican. We have four new videos there. Uh, Jason's ongoing Dragon Quest VIII. Um, still going on with uh, 12 new videos over the last two weeks. Uh, we have two new episodes of uh, Sid Meier's Civilization VI. We have uh, two new Minecraft, yes. And uh, we have a new Let's Play as well uh, from Jason, Super Mario Land. The original one, we have four new videos there, and that's probably the entire series, honestly, because this is not a very long game we're talking about. A lot of stuff going on over at the forum as well. Uh, we have not only uh, some new soundtracks, uh, I think this is a new soundtrack, yeah it is. Um, Fist of the North Star is what I'm looking at here, and I think Little Misfortune is also a soundtrack, but we also have some art. We have Art of Prime, we have Art of Reboot, and um, Castlevania Legends, is that another art? Or no, that's a guide. So a lot of stuff going on at Little Bias Gaming, so go check it out. But uh, for now, it is time to check out some music from some video games. So here it is on Square Wave Symphony, CKDU, 88.1 FM Halifax. Listen, local. Uh, let us get on to the archives music, shall we?
listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. That song is by Stuart Ross, and it is the first story theme of today's game from the archives. Ron Trainer, the hottest of the elite core of computer master debuggers, is enjoying his first week of vacation in over two years. He's been busy keeping CPI com- uh, running error-free. CPI, the Central Programming Institute, is what allows the world to exist the way it does. It controls everything, from global databases and grids to holographic theater software, as well as the simple timing of the traffic signals. But something is terribly wrong tonight. Cities around the globe have lost their power and data feeds. There have been several major aerial collisions between passenger liners and heavy freighters and the skyways have been closed until global traffic control is back online. All power and light have been lost and the atmospheric control system can only continue to function on auxiliary power for a short time. The world is in a panic and the planetary government is on the verge of collapse. There is rioting reported in several areas. What's going on? This appears to be more than a simple systems bug, but how much more? Well, I'll tell you how much more. It's a mutant virus crisis in a computer world. That is the name of the game. It is an action game for the Nintendo Entertainment System, developed by Rocket Science Production and produced by, uh, sorry, published by American Softworks, released in 1992. And it is a kind of a weird game. It's basically what if you take Conway's Game of Life and made it an action game somehow. Uh, and then put it on the NES. Um, it's, yeah, it's just a really strange concept for a game, and uh, it's one that we have covered here on Low Bias Gaming. It's just one video, it's not the entire game, but Scarlet has shown us this obscure little game for our ex- obscure NES games feature for Low Bias Monthly May 2017. And uh, so yeah, if that seems like an interesting concept to you, you can go check that out. And uh, also, since we're here, I'll also point out the Let's Play, I don't know if it's still up, but the Let's Play that Fire Wizard 23 did of this game, which was a complete um, playthrough. If I can remember to, I'll put a link in the show notes, but uh, Fire Wizard 23. Um, but also low bias gaming. Yeah.
was Hoto Cake with So Quickly, and you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And welcome back to Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, your home for video games, chiptunes, and all things weird and geeky. And speaking of weird, it is time for the news of the weird. And as usual, I do not read these stories ahead of time. Some of these may not jive well with all audiences, but they are scanned for objectionable content. And as a result, one story is being removed from this week's lineup. The only thing that I'll say about it is this person's name was Lovely Butts. Uh, but this person certainly wasn't very lovely. And if you want to check it out, newsofthewear.com. Anyways, uh, take all that as you will. Our lead story for today, let's just start out with the story of Awesome! Florida real estate agent Kristen Kearney was inundated with interest in a condo she listed in Lake Worth after photos of the $100,000 property and his Budweiser beer can decor went viral. The former owner, now deceased, made it, quote, his life's mission to wallpaper his home in beer cans, and he did it, Kearney said. He even created a crown molding uh, look. Uh, he even created a crown molding look with the cans. United Press International reported every wall and ceiling in the condo is covered with actual beer cans, except the bathroom. Kearney said the property is under contract with a backup offer. Okay. Um, I, I don't know that that's really something to particularly be proud of, but even if you're not so much interested in the Budweiser decor, you can probably just take all of that down, turn it in for recycling, and get a fair amount out of it, because I'm pretty sure that's a lot of aluminum that you can turn in. Um, but that's just my opinion. Maybe you like Budweiser, and I'm not going to judge if you do. Our next story, come again. And, um, oh boy, this starts in a way. A man identifying himself as Jesus Christ uh, appeared before Rickergate Court uh, in Carlisle, England on September 15th after being arrested by British Transport Police on suspicion that he did not buy a ticket to ride a train from Edinburgh to, Car- to Carlisle. When asked to state a plea, the man re- uh, replied, There is a not guilty plea. I don't need to plead the News and Star reported. In response to a request for his address, he said, No fixed abode or yellow house, Albion, Mauritius. Uh, the bearded defendant wore a hood and a green blindfold throughout his hearing. He was returned to custody as prosecutors considered his case. As, as for if any drugs are involved, no mention. Uh, oh boy. Some... Uh, well, I mean, that there is the phenomenon of Jerusalem Syndrome, where people go to Je- Jerusalem and come out believing that they're the Messiah. Uh, it was featured on The Simpsons, which might make you think that it's not real, but it is actually a thing. Um, as to whether this applies, I don't know. It doesn't say. There's a lot more details. And it's something that Jason's pointed out on his show. There's a lot more details that could probably go into the story, but just aren't there. So we work with what we got, I guess. The Passing Parade is our next story. Windermere, Florida, fifth grader Ian Golba, 11, 
visited the principal's office on September 15th after his teacher asked him to remove his Hooters face mask. She said it was not appropriate for school and I asked her why and she said if you really want to know, uh, know why, go ask the principal, Ian told WESH. The principal at Sunset Park Elementary School backed up the teacher asking Ian three times to remove the mask, which he did. But Greg Golba, Ian's dad, wants to know what the problem was. I don't think it's offensive at all, it's just a restaurant, Greg said. I mean, I can kind of see both sides of that story, but you can't, at the same time, you can't just allow a student to go without a mask for the rest of the day. That's kind of going against, you know, uh, health recommendations right now, and we still have a pandemic to, to have to worry about, so. But you definitely want to get a, a different mask for tomorrow. Just saying, it's not necessarily what you want to be parading around school, although you'll probably be the most popular kid there. Compelling explanation. Tarrant County, uh, Texas Sheriff's Deputy J. Allen Rodder, 36, called 911 on August 26 to report that his girlfriend, Liz Leslie Lynn Hartman, 46, had shot herself in the head with his duty weapon uh, as they shared a hug in their bedroom, telling the dispatcher, quote, she is done, and he, quote, would have stopped her if he could have, according to Denton Police. But as police investigators analyzed physical evidence and Rodder's electronics over the following weeks, they came to identify Rodder as a suspect, leading to his arrest on September 14th, reported NBC5. According to the arrest affidavit, the deputy had been active in a chat room called Discord. A, a chat room called Discord that night. Yeah, it's only a chat room, right? That's totally it. Um, where he posted that he had, quote, just sent a 9 milli in, his, in this hippie. And phone and computer records showed that two, the, the two had been arguing about shooting the shooting of a milk carton in the backyard before the alleged murder. Rodder was charged with murder and tampering with evidence and is being held on $1.15 million bond in the Denton City Jail. You know what? If I read that one ahead of time, I probably would have skipped that one too. Inexplicable. Uh, Jimmy Senda of Racine, Wisconsin, takes a walk along the beach uh, on Michigan Lake every morning where he collects sea glass and random stuff. Uh, because I like to do artwork at home with the stuff that I find, he told Fox 6. On September 15th, he came across a, a curious package, quote, wrapped in aluminum foil and around it, it had a pink rubber band, he said. It was later found out that the aluminum foil was made of Budweiser beer cans. No. Uh, back to the story. Curiosity got to me, so I popped it open and it looked like a chicken breast said, but on closer inspection he determined it was a brain. The package also contained flowers and paper with what appeared to be Mandarin Chinese uh, characters printed on it. Senda called police who turned the package over to Racine County Medical Examiner's Office and later announced that the brain was, quote, not consistent with a human brain, although they were trying, they were still trying to determine what kind of animal it came from. Wow, uh, that's a lot of questions. Uh, first of all, why? And second, why? Um, 
I... Yeah, that... Wow, okay. I... And I could just keep going with various types of exclamations and interjections, but instead let's go talk about the, go the government in action and go ask why there. Uh, Ocean Township, New Jersey listed the home of 89-year-old Glenn Christie Goldenthal for sale on September 9th for closing on the property because Goldenthal owed six cents on back taxes from 2019. The tax shortfall had accrued to more than $300, triggering the sale, which alert, uh, alerted Goldenthal's daughter, Lisa Suhey, in Virginia. NBC New York reported the outraged Suhey beginning, uh, began calling everyone in the township's office to explain that her mother suffers from Alzheimer's and probably forgot about the bill. Suhey took care of the debt, but for her mother, this isn't over. Uh, she's called me dozens of times in the last 24 hours, asking about her house and where she's going to live. Mayor Christopher Siciliano was apologetic, but Suhei remained incent incensed. Shame on anybody who can't think far outside the box enough to come up with six cents in an office full of people. You know, in some businesses that I've worked for in the past, six cents is what you would call a write-off. It's six cents. Get over it. Don't let it to, don't let it inflate to three hundred dollars, and then over three hundred dollars, let it inflate to foreclosing on an entire house. I was talking about asking why. Yeah, that's a good reason to ask why. Bright ideas. Let's hope this is a lot brighter than the last one. A commuter boarded a bus between Swinton and Manchester, England on September 14th, uh, sporting what, what one fellow passenger thought was a funky mask until it started to move. The, fa uh, the face mask turned out to be a live snake wrapped around the man's neck over his nose and mouth, the BBC reported. Uh, another passenger took photos and posted them on Twitter commenting to... Uh, commenting each to their own and all that. No one batted an eyelid, another writer said. Transport for Greater Manchester, however, said in a statement that snakeskin, especially when still attached to the snake, is not suitable for masks. Uh, making a comment once again, as I've made a few months ago, about leather masks. Um... And then having Axe point out to me that maybe I shouldn't be talking about leather masks on a 5 o'clock show. Um, <laughs> anyway, fashion of the times. In response to the ongoing coronavirus pandemic, French fashion house Louis Vuitton uh, announced that it will release a prospective visor uh, October 30th in its stores worldwide that Vogue reports is, quote, the most luxurious take on a plastic face shield that we've seen to date. The LV shield is trimmed uh, with the designer's signature monogram and gold studs engraved with the company's logo. It doubles as a sun visor, changing from clear to tinted when exposed to sunlight, and can also be flipped up and worn as more of a cap. Although a price for the shield has not been set, Vogue estimates that it... it, it uh, Vogue estimates it to be somewhere between the cost of a typical Vuitton hat, 
$700, and sunglasses $800. I've really got nothing to say about this fashion stuff. It's just, you're paying for the name. It's like buying Apple. Yep, I said it. Try to convince me otherwise. Our next story, dude. Um, so it says, oh, this happens in New Brunswick. Okay, that's where I'm from. Do me proud. Uh, Colin Sullivan, they're not going to do me proud. Colin Sullivan, who grows cannabis plants outside of his home in New Brunswick, uh, caught a little thief in his garden on September 8th, the Daily Mail reported. Sullivan took four photos of a mouse nibbling on the stems of the plants, then found the little rodent passed out in a pile of leaves. He's missing an ear, so it may be self-medication for his PTSD, but I still think it's time for an intervention. Sullivan posted on Facebook. Uh, Sullivan rehomed the mouse to a cage where he was weaned to just one medium leaf per day. Uh, it's been a couple of rough days for our little baked buddy, and despite a bellyache and a wicked bad case of the bunchies, I think he'll make a full recovery, Sullivan wrote. Well, actually, yeah, that, that is doing me proud. Just caring for the little guy. I really like this story, I'm not gonna lie. That's, that's really nice. Um, I, I also kind of like mice, so this story makes me super happy, I'm not gonna lie. And our final story for today, police report. Mark King of Wolcottville, Indiana, went to war with imaginary enemies on September 13th after using methamphetamine on the previous two days, according to the LaGrange County Sheriff's Department. Deputies responding to reports of a man swinging a broom handle around and hollering in a yard found King as he left a neighbor's garage after having thrown a gun through the building's window. Previously, police determined King had allegedly shot up the inside of his own home, imagining that people were trying to break in and steal some of his belongings. WANE reported that uh, King was transported to a hospital and later charged with uh, possession of meth and paraphernalia. It's one heck of a drug, let me tell you. Um, I've never tried it. I wouldn't try it. And there are reasons why I wouldn't try it. That's all I'm gonna say. You're listening to Square Waves and Video on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. Let's get some music going.
by Yohan Turpin, and you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And welcome back to Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, your home for video games, ship tunes, and all things weird and geeky, and it's time for gaming next month. Yes, it is the last Friday of the month, which means we shall take a look at the games that are coming out in October 2020, starting with October 1st, three new releases, all for the Switch. Uh, Super Mario Bros. 35, which is quite the jump in numbers. Yes, I know it's the thing like Tetris 99, Battle Royale, whatever. It's a, it's a pun. It's a some sort of joke. Anyway, Super Mario Bros. 35 Warsaw and East Origin is being ported for the Switch. Uh, October 2nd, we have three new games, including Crash Bandicoot 4, It's About Time. That's the actual subtitle. For the PS4 and Xbox One, Star Wars Squadrons for PS4, Xbox One, and PC, and Warsaw for the Xbox One. Forgone is coming out on October 5th for the PS4, Xbox One, and Switch, as well as Nickelodeon Kart, Ra- Kart Racers 2 Grand Prix for those same platforms. October 6th, we have Baldur's Gate 3 coming out for Stadia and PC. October 8th, three new releases, including I Am Dead, my condolences, uh, for the Switch and PC. I can fill up for the PS4, Xbox One, Switch and PC, and Ride 4 for the PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. Oh, and I missed one. The Uncertain Light at the End for the PS, uh, for the uh, PC, which is also the story of my life. Uh, October 9th, we have three new releases. Ben 10 Power Trip is coming out for PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. FIFA 21 for PS4, Xbox One, PC, and Survivalist for all four platforms. For those same four platforms, on October 13th, we have G.I. Joe Operation Blackout. We also have Second Extinction for the PC on October 13th. October 15th, six new releases, a big day. Age of Empires 3 Definitive Edition for the PC, uh, Cloudpunk for PS4, Xbox One, and Switch, Monster Truck Championship for PS4, Xbox One, and PC, Ra- uh, Raji, an ancient epic for PS4, Xbox One, and PC, Space Crew for PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC, and Tears of Avia for Xbox One and PC. Um, October 16th, Mario Kart Live Home Circuit for the Switch, and NHL 21 for PS4 and Xbox One. October 20th, three new releases, Amnesia Rebirth for PS4 and uh, PC, Remothered, Broken Porcelain for PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC, and The Guys for the PC exclusive. Uh, October thir- uh, 21st, we have Scourge Ringer for PS4, uh, for, sorry, Xbox One, Switch, and PC, not PS4. Uh, October 23rd, we have Transformers Battlegrounds for PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. We have Carto coming out on October 27th for PS4 and PC, as well as three other games. We have Ghost Runner, PS4, Xbox One, PC. The Legend of Heroes Trails of Cold, Cold Steel 4 for the PS4. Uh, World of Warcraft Shadowlands expansion is coming out on October 27th as well. Um... October 29th, two new releases, Song of Horror Complete Edition for the PS4 and Xbox One, and Watch Dogs Legion for the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Stadia, and PC. October 30th, we have Pikmin 3 Deluxe for the Switch, and the Dark Pictures Anthology for Little Hope for PS4, Xbox One, and PC. And finally, on October 31st, the scariest game possible of the entire list, 
auto chess. I mean, that's gonna be pretty scary if you're not the kind of person to play chess, I guess. But that is coming out for PS4 on October 31st. And that is your list of new games that are coming out for the um, for October of 2020. Enjoy it because this is the last uh, the last month before we get new consoles mixed into this whole shenaniganry. So, um, yeah, uh, if you want to check out this list up that can be updated at any time, go to GameInformer.com/2020 and check it out there. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, Tampa News. MCH and Pator with Scan and Go, and you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. 
So, I felt like uh, talking about something a little different today. And there's not a whole lot of research put into this. It's basically my feelings on a couple of things. Um, as we all know, with, with the whole COVID-19 thing, sports kind of took a big hit. And um, although there are some sports that are operating now, such as uh, having gotten uh, the NHL playoffs just recently, and uh, I think there are a couple of other sports that, um, that have resumed since then, but it's still not quite the same as it used to be, so it's nice to know that there are some things that can kind of fill in the gap. And one of these things has been around since 2013, but really has only been brought to my attention personally, and probably a lot of people's attention just recently, but as recently as May of 2020. And that thing is Yellow's Marble Runs, which um, pretty much is what it sounds. It's, for the most part, um, just racing different kinds of marbles and making them compete in different sorts of events. Uh, you have, for instance, uh, the Marble League, which is known as the Marble Olympics, um, where you have um, different, effectively, teams of marbles that participate in various events, such as uh, long jump, high jump, uh, hurdles, uh, and some other events that are very specific to you know them being marbles that are participating in this. But uh, it and there there are some other events that are just straight up races, such as uh, Marbula E, um, which is effectively you know, a take on Formula One type of thing. But. Um, such a concept might sound like something that would be kind of boring, right? But this is a shining example of if you if you do something that you love doing and you put a lot of energy into it, you put a lot of love into it, you just make it its best possible and show it to the world. The world is got, there, there's going to be some people who are going to um, to come to it and really enjoy it. In fact, Yell's Marble Runs is currently sitting at about one and a quarter million subscribers as of the 1st of September of this year. So that's kind of saying something. But um, yeah, this started in uh, two, uh, this started in 2013. Although, Yella Baker, uh, who is the uh, Yella behind Yella's Marvel Runs, obviously, um, has been doing this for a long time, just playing with marbles. Uh, as it turns out, and I just found this out today, as I'm looking at the Wikipedia article, um, apparently he has stated that he has a form of autism. Um, so the fact that he is presenting all this to the world 
uh, to me, be a person who has been diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder, uh, kind of brings me some pride as well. It makes me real happy that this has taken off the way that it has. Um, now, uh, although the current Yellow's Marble Runs channel started in 2018, apparently the original version of the channel uh, happened in 2006. Um, so it's been uh, it's been kind of going for a little while. Um, and he has also, uh, during that original run, set a Guinness World Record for the world's longest marble run on May 21st, 2009, which he held until 2011. So, that's quite impressive. Um, eventually, a uh, man named Greg Woods uh, would start making fan commentary videos uh, since the original videos, I believe, were in um, in Dutch. Um, so he started making commentary videos and eventually uh, teamed up with Yella to provide English commentary for the videos. Um, it was a bit sad earlier this year, in 2020, since um, they were kind of running out of money. So... They, they were starting to consider maybe they're gonna have to fold this because you know it, if you want to present us uh, if you want to present something with the best quality then yes you're going to have to probably hire some people and you know buy set pieces and things like that and um, yeah it's it was kind of a sad thing until John Oliver of all people um, caught wind of Yellow's Marvel Runs and advertised the, uh, the franchise on his show as well as sponsored the entire um, Marvel League 2020 event. Which, um, yeah, definitely gave the show a big signal boost and a big financial boost, so hopefully they'll be able to keep doing this for a long time because just the it is Marvel, sure, and it doesn't seem like it should be a serious thing, but everything that is presented within the context of this is presented with, you know, full, um, full intention, basically, as though these Marvels have lives outside of the Marvel League, outside of, you know, Yellow's Marvel Runs, and, you know, have a history, and have all sorts of, you know, story and kayfabe and all that, so it's just it's just really an interesting thing to check out, in my opinion. Um, as for something that's a little bit more recent, um, you might have you might have noticed that my um, go call for uh, for well not last week's episode the last the previous episode was the commissioner still doing a great job. That is a uh, line that is often attributed to the sport of baseball, or I should say the sport of baseball. Um, now I've, I've seen a couple of descriptions of uh, baseball 
I've seen uh, one person, uh, in particular Lolo the Puzzle, call it Fantasy Fantasy Baseball, which is an easy way to describe it, sure. I've also seen the description from someone else, uh, Baseball Anime on Steroids. And I would also agree with that. Um, meanwhile, Wikipedia calls it an online browser baseball simulation horror game. It was developed by the game man. And it was released on uh, July 20th, 2020. So, fairly recent game. And it's kind of interesting. Because this started as just kind of a little thing that I don't think they were really expecting it to explode the way that it did. But, um, yeah, it kind of really caught on because imagine this. You start with baseball, okay? You have 20 teams from various places, um, and you simulate baseball games. You know, it's pretty much all numbers in that. And you give people the opportunity to, um, to bet on the games. Sounds pretty normal so far, right? Um, now consider the fact that um, you have different sorts of weather, but not the weather you would expect. And these different weather conditions have different effects. Such as during a solar eclipse, a rogue umpire may decide to incinerate one of the players randomly. But, and that player will instantly be replaced by someone else. Um, also, there is some very heavy community involvement. Um, basically, all, all these teams and all these players have basically nothing behind them, right? But the community comes together and just starts inventing storylines and backgrounds and personalities for all these characters. Like, considering that there are 20 teams, 14 players per team, approximately, um, that would mean 280 players, plus the 20 teams themselves, 300 entities. Plus the baseball commissioner, um, which I believe is uh, intern commissioner uh, Prime Minister Parker McMillan III is his current full name and title. Um, so that's 301. There are probably way more than 301 accounts on Twitter for the various players and entities in the game, and except for the Blazeball Commissioner, which is an official account run by the game man, all of these accounts are community managed. So that that's a lot of just community involvement. Um, and you also have certain events that happen. Um, some of them are uh, community-driven, and some of them are just uh, system failures. 
such as there is a, there is one event that I'm going to mention in particular called the Grand Unslam, where um, one of the players from the Los Angeles Tacos hit a Grand Slam. If you don't know what that is, that is uh, all three bases are loaded and the player at bat hits a home run, thus allowing for four runs. Um, however, right at that moment, the server crashed. Uh, and for some reason, when the, when the server came back up, every player on the Los Angeles Tacos was then named Wyatt Mason, which was the actual name of the last person on their roster. So instead of just fixing the names and going about their business, the game band kind of ran with it. Uh, first of all, the Grand Unslam, as they called it, um, ended up creating a, uh, a rip in space-time over Los Angeles, resulting in unlimited Los Angeles coming into existence therefore causing the Los Angeles Tacos to be renamed the Unlimited Tacos. And then in response to all the players being named Wyatt Mason, they went through a process by which they would tune in to the original players' names, but some of the players retained the first name Wyatt, some of the players retained the first, the last name Mason, and Wyatt... Oops. Uh, White Mason himself ended up being called not a number because his um, because the frequency that his name was located on was not a number. Um, why? I don't know. This just kind of went with it, and it's part of community lore now. It's just. It's just having as much fun with baseball as possible. And also, if you're interested in the actual baseball element of it, it's great because they remove all the chaff. Um, there is no advertisement during baseball. Uh, baseball. There is no, um, you know, delays of game or anything during baseball. It's just the game, and therefore every game lasts about. 20 to 30 minutes unless it goes into extra innings. There is only one game that I know of that has lasted over an hour. Um, so yeah, if you are interested in that, um, Yella's Marvel Runs can be found at youtube.com slash Yella, J-E-L-L-E-S, Marvel Runs, and Blaseball can be found at blaseball.com. And those links will be in the show notes. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, and let's get some more music.
was Ichi's Adventure from Slam House's Toons Day collection for September 22nd. And that is going to do it for today's episode. I do thank you all for listening. I hope that you enjoyed uh, this look at um, some interesting uh, games and some interesting sports. Because uh, sometimes you just don't expect these things. You don't know where to find them until you until someone points them out to you. Effectively, that's how I found out about both of them. So uh, there it is. And there you go. Um, so yeah, let's close the let's close things out the way that we usually do. Square Wave Symphony is based on the format of the Electric Leftovers podcast by Jason Parton of Low Bias Gaming, lowbiasgaming.net. News of the Weird is written by the editors at Andrews McNeil Syndication, newsoftheweird.com. Gaming Next Month is powered by Game Informer, gameinformer.com. Segment Music composed by myself, Minamanimiki, Nuriki Kimikora, Twilight of Defects, Sean Daly, Gigan Duct, and Commissar. Stay tuned for the Astrology Show coming up next on CKDU, followed by The Witching Hour at 7pm, and press start to continue at 8.30. Comments, questions, want your chiptunes featured on the show? Email me at squaresim at lowbiasgaming.net or get in touch on Twitter at squaresim, S-Y-M. You can also, call, uh, you can also leave feedback on ckdu.ca, click on shows, find Square Wave Symphony in the list, and click on leave feedback. There is also a podcast version of this show. It's available on lowbiasgaming.net slash squaresim, S-Y-M, or just search for Square Wave Symphony. Square Wave is one word on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or TuneIn Radio, or most of the podcasters out there. This has been Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. I'm Coolio, if you don't know. See you guys next time.